Before we get started today, I have a listener to thank for a donation. Wendy Caitlin sent us a donation via PayPal. Thank you so much, Wendy, for supporting the show. If you would like to donate to the Messy Studio Podcast, just go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and click the Donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right-hand corner, and there you can set up a single-time donation or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount. So that's MessyStudioPodcast.com and click the Donate button. You will see on your credit card statement that that payment goes to Core Publication Management, LLC. That's my audio production company, which is what we use to declare that money for taxes. But that money does go to support the show. So thanks again to Wendy for donating to the show and supporting what we do here. All right, that's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I'm Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about a body of work. As artists, we need to organize our work in our minds, on our websites, or in our presentations. Where do logical connections exist, and how can grouping certain pieces together aid in understanding them? Thinking of your output as bodies of work is a useful approach, but this is also one of those vague art terms that means different things to different people. What constitutes a body of work? How many pieces does it include? Is it the same as a series? Today we're examining this term in the hopes of providing some insight into how it applies to your own work. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. You know, I'm I'm really struck quite often by how much art terminology gets used without much definition, (laughs) you know, vague things. Um, We're just supposed to know what these things mean. (laughs) And this can be confusing uh, for people, whether they're just starting out or even more experienced. uh, Certain terms get kind of tossed around and kind of nod and smile and go right. But yeah, what does that actually mean? And so I I thought talking about a body of work would be um, would be good because it is one of those terms. And if we can get a little bit better understanding um, what it means, it it also helps, you know, you as an artist actually um, apply the ideas behind it to uh, to thinking or talking about your own work or organizing yeah, your own work, as you said in the intro. Um, and you, you know you hear things like, well, when you approach a gallery, you need to have a body of work. Okay, what does that mean? You know, it's, it's just not that obvious. Um, so I, I guess I would start by saying that the way that I think of it, and the way I'm going to be talking about it today, is that it's a group of work that is cohesive and consistent in some way. Okay, there's some unifying factor to it. Um, but, you know, that's pretty open-ended. Like, what are those connections with, with those various pieces? But I think of this as a really flexible term without really rigid uh, divisions or definitions. So you could even have, you know, one painting that would be part of more than one body of work, depending on how you were defining it. Um, and to me, a body of work would would seem to be complete, but not necessarily ended, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's something, it's a category of work that might be uh, complete as it is now, or ended as it is now, but it might be added to later, because the ways that the pieces are united are kind of um, 
they're open-ended. So, um, for example, uh, maybe you you learned a particular printmaking technique, and you did a bunch of prints that were involved that te- that technique was used, and then you get on to something else. You put it aside. You come back to it um, a year later. And maybe you do some more using that technique. And you could say that all those prints uh, before and later were part of the same body of work. So um, really, the artist is defining what this is, although you may find yourself in situations like applying to a gallery where it's um, it's somebody else is deciding if it's a body of work. Um so we're going to get into some examples, and and but just by saying that much, you can see it's a bit vague. Um, and I wanted to talk about uh, what's the difference or the relationship to a series, because we've talked about that before um, on the podcast, and they overlap, but they're not necessarily the exact same thing. So if you had a body of if you designated something as a body of work, um, it might include a series. It might include more than one series, or it might not include anything that you consider a series. Um, but you know, if you had a big series with a you know quite a few pieces in it, you could call that a body of work. Um, so it's generally kind of a larger concept. Um, even sometimes used to talk about the work that an artist did or is has done over their entire lifetime. So, you know, you might read something like um, Picasso's body of work ranged from paintings and prints to ceramics and sculpture. <laughs> it's his body of work. It's what he did for, in, during his lifetime. Yeah, I think that that's interesting about Picasso. When we're talking about a body of work, I usually think of it as being kind of a broader term than, um, I'm sure that we'll talk about connections to a series here in a minute. Um, but to me, a, a body of work is something that that needs to display uh, your a variety of work. It needs to, to display what you're capable of producing. <laughs> but at the same time, and that's one definition. And that's the problem with the term is that, you know, people think of it in different ways. If a gallery says you need a body of work to show us that you that we can show your work in the gallery, they're actually looking for a lot of consistency. They're looking for work that will be identified as yours um, and not necessarily much of a range. So, you know, that's why it's confusing because uh, people – have this in their head, what it means to them. And so I guess what I what I, I would like to do is kind of examine some of those different ideas. So what you were talking about there, that was kind of the Picasso thing. Um, and it's it's the biggest use of the of the word. and it it can really be um, you know, very broad like that. Um, but you know, I'm going to talk about some examples where it's it's more defined, but it is not defined. I would say as strictly as a series typically is, um, but there's some connection in the work, um, and it could be the work could be connected by something like this artist did all these things, which I think is what you were talking about, or it could be connected by um, a particular theme or idea, a situation, technique, period of time. Um, 
And there's no real definition of how many pieces are in this. I mean, obviously, if you're talking about a really big picture of a body of work, it's going to be, you know, infinite, really, how many pieces are in there. Um, if a gallery says, you know, we want to see a body of your work, they're probably talking about, oh, I don't know, 12 to 20, something like that. So it's it just shifts. The meaning just shifts from, from here to there. Um, and I would also say maybe difference from a series in that the body of work tends to kind of evolve organically. So you you look at something that you have produced and say this is a body of work rather than oftentimes in a series you start out with something um, that you're going to call a series. Not always, but a lot of times series have this more um, focused intention from the beginning about what it's going to be about. So bodies of work are kind of a way of... Um, I don't know, sort of examining and categorizing your own output, really. Um, it sounds like you're saying that a body of work um, has stylistic consistency and is usually produced during a chronological period of time. So it may include different uh, methods or different techniques. Um, it, in the case of Picasso, he's working with both 2D and 3D mm -hmm. approaches. Um, but in the case of, of Picasso, he's uh, we th we think of his body of work as being um, you know his cubist period or um, mm -hmm. more like his monochromes, um, right? So you can you can have bodies of work within bodies of work, <laughs> right? <laughs> to add to the confusion, um, you know. And I thought of a few different ways that, as an artist, you know, you might look at your own output and say, "Well, this I'm going to call this a body of work," and and I would say that. Um, there are definitely reasons to do this um, that are helpful. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, how we present our work, how we talk about our work. And so to be able to group certain things is useful. Um, so kind of things that I thought of, sometimes you do work in a specific time or a specific place. Um, for myself, I might say this body of work is from my artist residency in Spain. You know, this is what I did when I was there. The pieces that I did there might have been quite experimental. They might have been all over the place. But I would think of them as a body of work because they were tied to this specific experience. Um, some people might look at what they have done since the pandemic began and say, well, you know, my body of work from 2020 was all in response to um, our current situation or something like that. So it could be defined by a year, a special year or a certain time. Um, it could be uh, the, the work in the body of work could be uh, thematically related or all about a particular idea or something like maybe all this work um, I did in response to a particular composer's work, some music or poetry or something. So there's a there's an idea that's uh, tying it together. Uh, could be all the work you've done in watercolor. You know, <laughs> this is the body of my watercolor work. Um, 
And even though within that, there might be a lot of different things going on. I guess what I'm getting at is it's really up to the artist to say this. I mean, this is your, this is a tool that you can use to present your work and talk about your work. Um, so it's really about categorizing work as it, as, as you create it rather than creating it with an intention to fit within a specific set of rules. Yes. And I, that is, I think, the biggest way to distinguish it from a series is it's your own way of cataloging or categorizing what you've done in a way that makes it uh, understandable to other people. It's a way for them to say, okay, I'm looking at, you know, all the paintings, all this artist paintings that were like color field paintings or, um, you know, in a certain technique or uh, here's a sculpture that has done different kinds of work, but these are all um, her minimalist sculptures. You know, it's like it helps uh, somebody who's trying to understand your work see the connections that may not be there. Um, uh, they may extend over time and place, I guess is what I'm saying. So it's it's an interesting way of kind of pulling things together that may have been done um, in different times different places um and you know sometimes you, if you have an extended series that can be considered a body of work so there is that overlap um but i wouldn't i wouldn't call like three paintings that you did in a series really a body of work i mean here's where it gets really vague because there's a sense of with a body of work there's a sense of an extended examination of something or an extended interest in something what do you think there's like a minimum number of pieces to to be considered a body of work you know i i sort of googled this a little bit and um uh, i saw several times something like 10 to 12 um pieces if they're if they're major like not little drawings or something but something that you know you would consider a pretty important piece to you then yeah like at least that many and usually it's more um but but like i said when when you're um considering uh what a gallery might want it is at the lower end of things they don't want to see 30 pieces they want to see a selection of I don't know exactly, like like I said before, I think 12 to 20, depending on the the scale or the size. Like if you had, you know, 12 large oil paintings, that would certainly be a body of work that you could show a gallery. If they were consistent, if they had connections within them, that's what they want to see. So, Right. And what the gallery is doing is is selling work. And so when, when they, what they want to see is, uh, pieces that they could show one to somebody, and if they like it, they could show them another one. And right. they could they would they want pieces that will appeal to the same set of customers, the same demographics. Yeah. So when somebody walks through the door looking for Rebecca Kroll, they have here's our selection of Rebecca Rebecca Kroll paintings, and they, I, I you would want enough variety then that they would be distinctive, but yes. you, they would also need to be paintings that would appeal to the same person. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um and they probably I probably wouldn't uh send if I was applying to a gallery, I probably wouldn't show them both say works on paper and paintings. You know, I'd try to figure out well most galleries would be more interested in the painting, so that's what I'm going to show them. Later on they might take some works on paper, but that initial um view of who you are is what you just said. And 
you know, it's good to bring up galleries because I think that's where most people encounter this term and where it is confusing if you haven't uh, worked with this idea before. But what interested me about the term was that it, it does have a lot of other uses and applications that can benefit us in other ways as artists uh, because of this approach to sort of categorizing or grouping your work with certain connections. Right. It's it's not simply marketing lingo. It does have some utility for us as as creatives. It does. Real quick, it's time for an update on the latest news from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are now well into their second quarter of weekly live sessions for their members, in which they explore three-minute topics in deep, interrelated, and engaging ways. This quarter, those topics are texture, layering, and writing and talking about your work. Weekly sessions include discussion, side presentations, videos, critiques, special guests, and the opportunity to ask questions during the session. Cold Wax Academy members have access to all past sessions, which are recorded each week. So if you're hesitating to join mid-quarter, no worries about missing out. There is plenty for you to explore, and you can watch previous sessions on your own schedule. Jerry and Rebecca offer a trial month at the core level for only $29.99. So visit coldwaxacademy.com and click on memberships for more information. That's coldwaxacademy.com and click on memberships. All right, let's get back into it. So um, so let's talk a little bit about, yeah, like what are the other reasons that you might want to know what a body of work is or apply it to what you do? And um, I guess what the point we've been making here, it's just an organizing tool um, because it helps you as the artist group and kind of categorize your work in a way that makes sense to you. Um, and where might you apply this? Well, one place is on a website. And um, I always feel like websites that don't give clear categories about what people are looking at, uh, that's a little problematic. And very often you just see designations like Portfolio 1 or Gallery 1 or 2. And you don't know until you click on it um, what that means. And you may not understand why they're grouped that way, um, even when you do click on it. Right. And that's frustrating for the people that are looking at your website who are hopefully trying to spend money with you. And they, they want to get to the work that they want to buy or that they want to represent if it's a gallery owner uh, mm-hmm. within about 10 seconds. Yeah. And and it, it may be things like a curator or a, uh, anybody who's interested in your work it really, we, I don't know, like just as human beings, we sort of want categories, right? We want to say, it's like you open a book and sometimes you open a book and you see chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and sometimes you open a book and you see chapter headings. And I'm always a little more interested when I see a title on the chapter because like, oh, that's a little preview of what's going to be going on there. And especially in a nonfiction book, it's a way to get if you if you're not going to read the whole book, it's a way maybe to get to what you want to read. So, um, you know, you can think of these on your website, kind of like chapter headings, and give it give the person to your website something more interesting right in the beginning. And it doesn't have to be anything more than the name of a. Uh, you can think of a name of uh, a series or the name of a body of work. Um, that you're going to group these things under. So maybe you've spent time in Italy and one of your uh, categories could be paintings from Italy. Well, 
that's great. It doesn't have to be designated a series even. It's just like, that's where I'm going to group all these. So typically people um, approach their their uh, chapter headings, if you will, or, or titles on their website in either kind of chronologically, these are all the paintings uh, by year, um, or just these kind of vague headings. And if you're grouping your work by year, I think that's okay. That is a body of work from, say, 2019, 2020. But to me, it's not as effective if there isn't something that ties those things together um, as a body of work. Right. If somebody is looking for a, a specific painting and they know what year it was produced in, then that's that is useful for them. But if that's not the case, then that isn't the most useful mm-hmm. way to categorize your work. Right. And unless your work really is about that year, like this is, I mean, 2020 is a year that probably for a lot of people is a body of work. <laughs> you know, A lot of artists were responding to the pandemic and so on, but other years, maybe not so much, you know, and so it's not that meaningful. Um, what would you say to an artist who, who feels that their work defies any categorization or they don't know where to start? Yeah, I, I guess that's sort of two different things. I mean, to say it defies categorization, I, I would say that person would find categories if they thought about because they're they're creating it. They they know what their thoughts are and what their ideas are, and they could group those things. Um, as far as uh, where to start, I got I do have some little tips about that in a second. I just want to, I want to get through these kind of other times when you might want to do this. Like, why are we doing this? Um, So website is one. Um, Another time would be if you are giving an artist talk, a presentation, slide talk. Um, Maybe you're being asked to submit something to an article about yourself. These are really good times to think about presenting your work as bodies of work. And I've kind of learned this through experience because um, I've given, you know, quite a few presentations about my own work. And and typically it is chronological, right? You, you say, uh, here's what I did in the 80s and here's what I did in the 90s or whatever. Well, that's okay. Um, and that's typically actually how I've done it. But I've seen a few presentations that struck me as so interesting because Rather than that approach, somebody would say, well, here's all the paintings I've done about, um, I remember I watched one by Lisa Pressman, and she said, here's all the paintings about like uh, ideas I got when I was riding on the train in and out of New York City. Wow, okay. Right away, I'm more engaged than these are the paintings I did in, you know, 2005. <laughs> And so if you can you can present your work in a uh, more thematic way uh, if you have to talk about it um, and it, or you want to talk about it. So that's one of the other big reasons for this. Um, well, and, and structuring it in that way does give you the opportunity to, to tell a story attached to your work. Um, yes. Rather than just a chronological, here's what I did next, it's it, yeah. <laughs> it draws the listener in because it's it, there is that story structure attached to it. Absolutely. And most people, you know, if they want to know the chronological part, can can ask you, can look at your resume or something and figure that out. But we we really are as people more engaged with stories than um, chronological stuff. Um, and we already mentioned the reason you might want to do this for a gallery, so I won't go back into that. But um, I think the last one really is these kind of personal reasons. Um, because when you when you group 
your work in your own mind, um, it can help you just kind of understand how one thing leads to another. What what are the trends? What are the interesting things that you've been following in your work? Um, maybe some things you want to revisit. Uh, and just kind of seeing this overall connectiveness of your work, which is so, uh, it's gratifying, it's satisfying. It makes you feel like, yes, I really am <laughs> progressing. I'm pulling things together over time. Um, and you can actually do this if you, if you use a program like um, Artwork Archive, which I use, you can uh, use keywords within your program for, like, it's a database program, basically. But you can put in keywords that would then pull up the work. If you use the keyword um, residencies, for example, so you're going to pull up all the work that you did while on an artist residency, you can create these bodies of work within your program. I'm not sure if there are others that do that, but I think that does work with Artwork Archive. And that's just, you know, technical info. But you could do this in your notebook. You could do this wherever. It's just kind of like, because, because again, any particular painting could fall into different categories. So uh, it's good to be able to see how flexible that is. So so back to your question um, about, okay, so you want to do this, but you really don't know how to do this. And and this may be very new to you and um, it can be confusing. Right. And it, it may just be that your, your work is not, is, is hard to group it's, or it's hard to categorize. Uh, I think of this a lot of times with musicians, you'll say, well, what kind of music do you do? And, or artists as well. And they'll say, you know, oh, I do like jazz new wave with, you know, hip hop beats and a heavy metal <laughs> influence. And, and you're trying to, okay, well, where does this fit? <laughs> you know, And, and right, I'm sure right. that, you know, mus- musicians where they're running into this, this challenge in categorizing their work and producing a body of work is, is in producing an album or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. grouping things in such a way that it makes sense. Um, and, uh, and so I'm wondering if, if somebody's having trouble with that, you know, where do you start? What, yeah. Well, what, how do you start going about this process? I think that, you know, what you just described, somebody's fusing a lot of different styles. Well, that is what we do as artists. So uh, we so within that framework, you're still going to be trying different things. You're going to be, this one is, I'm a little more interested in color, or this one I did uh, when I was traveling, or this one I did after I took a particular workshop. And if you're if you look at your work from the inside, which is what we're doing, um, not so much as describing the overall output to someone else, which that's that big picture body of work, um, but w- from within it, I think we all know that we have times when we're focused on this thing or that thing. Um, if we if we didn't if we weren't following certain ideas, uh, I don't think our work would progress or grow or be interesting because it's those new things that pull us forward. So when you're when you are introspect having some introspective about your own work, you can think about what what pulled me into this particular work? What was I interested in? What do these things have in common? And that you know, that could be difficult. I think when you're just starting with this, it could seem pretty hard to pick that apart. And so what you're looking for is groups of work 
that are consistent, and you're going to have those for sure. Um, well, and in going down that that trail, um, you're going to naturally start figuring out, figuring out what kind of story does this group of work tell, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I think that maybe that's a good starting place for people. Um, if yeah. your if your work is very eclectic and um, mm-hmm. it's hard to categorize, hard to group things, is maybe start with just that that how does how can I tell a story with this group of work or what story yeah. does this group of work tell? Right. Um, if you were if you were going to have, let's say you were offered an exhibit and you could in this fantasy exhibit you could pull work from any period of time, anything that you've done, and you put, you're going to put it all in one show, um, what would connect, why would you pick those things for that show? And what would be the connections between them? That's one way to do it. And it is hard, you know, that's pretty complicated. You can start just by saying, this is the body of work I did last year, and then think about, well, what happened within that? Or this is the body of work I did with oil paint, you know? <laughs> Within that's fine. That's a great place to start. Within that, are there any other interesting connections? And this is all really kind of uh, for your own personal reasons. Because when you're asked for something by an outside uh, entity like a gallery, I think it's a different approach. Or if you are asked to put together a show from what you have on hand, um, that's pretty focused. I think you can you can see where which ones you might pick and which ones you might reject. But this idea for your own reasons, for your own understanding of your work, that's a lot more flexible and actually more interesting, I think, to to kind of, uh, because you see yourself developing ideas over time. And you see yourself going back and saying, yeah, you know, a few years ago, I was interested in mark making, and now it's really coming back into my work. Um, what's the connection there? And uh, so that's kind of the aspect of this that I find most interesting from an art point of view. From a marketing or presentation point of view, um, it's a little bit different. It is, I think it is more about storytelling then, and especially in a presentation, as I mentioned, it's, um, it really engages people to say that these ideas are connected um, yeah, and what kind of story you're trying to tell is going to be different based on your audience. Because mm-hmm. if you're if you're giving a talk or a presentation about your work, that's going to be a little bit different than talking to a gallery owner, which is going to be a little bit different from how you categorize things on your website. Absolutely. And I guess in the way it gets down to <laughs> the more you understand your own ideas, your own um, themes in your work, your own interests, the more flexible you can be with this and you can you can pull together these things or those things to talk about. And so if your work is very diverse, it's a little more challenging maybe to find those connections. Uh, but I, I think very few people are so diverse that they wouldn't have any. <laughs> I, I really can't even imagine that, that they wouldn't exist. Uh, so it's just kind of trying to figure out what they are. And, and keeping... I guess another point would just be to keep your definition fairly open. Like I said, it's not like a series where it has to be so connected that, you know, it's it's perfectly obvious. Um, and I guess an example of my own work would be um, actually, I do think of 2020 in my own work as kind of a body of work, because even though there's 
various things I was exploring within it in various series and various media that I was working with. I mean, I did these big, colorful, large color field paintings. I did a lot of works on paper. Um, but within all that diversity, everything this year was influenced by this year, by um, the isolation, by the things shutting down, so that I felt so free to experiment. And I had some desire for things to to go quickly, like with the works on paper. I wanted to just get things out. Um, color was kind of a really uplifting thing for me to work with. And, you know, I could separate everything I did in 2020 into you know, these are the oil paintings, these are the works on paper, which is fine. Uh, I do that on my website, actually. But let's say that I wanted to uh, do an exhibit about uh, the pandemic year. And in that case, I could include everything that I'd done because it all seemed to be somehow influenced by it. Um, and so that's kind of an example of a, a bigger body of work idea, some smaller ones within it. And then there is the biggest one of all, which is everything I've ever done. But, <laughs> you know, that to most living artists is not really what we're thinking about. You know, we're thinking more um, how how to look at your work that you've done since you've been producing and since you've been consistent in your work. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I would just say that it is okay. It's common to be confused by some of the terms that we use in the art world. And this one is an example, a body of work. Um, like a lot of things, it does depend somewhat on self-definition um, within the sort of broader understanding. I mean, because it's a word that gets used, there is some sort of basic understanding about it. But you can adapt it to suit your own needs. Um, you can adapt it to how you want to present your own work. And if it's still confusing, which it probably is, um, <laughs> just kind of start to notice the various ways that it's used in, in art writing and critique and bios and statements and so on, and start to get um, a sense of what it might mean to you in your own work and, and how you might use it. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.